Hello, welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. <laughs> and this week, oh, I'm going to keep that in. I'm going to keep that in. And this week, you are looking at season two, episode two, the unkindest cut of all, in which Frasier and Martin disagree over how best to proceed with quote fixing Eddie after a neighbourhood dog gives birth to his litter. So, Key, this week, I want to ask you the age-old debate: cats versus dogs. Now, Roz is a cat person. I want to know which side of the debate do you fall on? I think we're going to be on different sides here because I'm a cat person as well. I'm I very thought much you hungry. might be. Talk me through that. I, but I respect cats. Okay, <laughs> cats, cats respect themselves. Okay, they, <laughs> they, you know your place with a cat. You are there for the food, and that's it. Nothing that's else. It doesn't that's care about you. Point, actually, I saw a tweet recently that said um, having a cat is like having a teddy bear that's constantly solving a murder. Uh, and I was just like, that's an incredible analogy for someone who's not ever owned a cat. But I seem to recall you, you own owned a cat for most of the time I knew you in primary school. Was it Tom? Yeah, we had Tom, yeah. And, and the thing about a cat, though, is if you, if a cat likes you, you feel you've really earned that. I meet dogs, and after 10 seconds, they're licking my face, and they're really <laughs> nice. Whereas a cat, it takes years. That's very true. I think that's what I love about... I mean, I'm not going to just say I hate cats, because I don't hate them, and I know a lot of people have cats. I've always struggled to, to form any kind of bond with cats um, that I've met over the years. But obviously, that's because they're not as forthcoming coming as dogs are and you're very right that you have to earn a cat's love dogs just kind of Tend to 90% of the time love you no matter what. But yeah, we we had a we well, we've had two dogs in my lifetime, both Westies, both lived to like 13 or older. Obviously, both absolutely cracking dogs, and uh, they kind of make a huge impression on your life. All pets do. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting that Roz is a cat person because I don't know. She strikes me as she strikes me as someone who's a dog person, and we'll get to that in the review because obviously she does end up getting a dog down the line. But yeah, interesting debate there. You're on the cat side. I'm on the dog side. Anyone who's listening. Wherever you fall, please write in and let us know. But Key, this week, are you ready to tuck yourself in a trivia corner? I am indeed. Excellent. So we've been sent in a nice batch of from different people, actually. We've got the usual three from Corey, Mischief Knight. Hamish has sent in two. And we've got two more from Anna, who I mentioned last week. And Preston, our man with the floor plan over at the Fraser Project. And he's sent in two. Um, so very excited to read those out. But do you want to... In fact, do you want to start this week, Key, and read out yours to me? Okay, then. Let's mix it up a little. But let's so question one what kind of dog did Daphne have okay not getting off to a good start let's not mix it up <laughs> um what kind of dog did Daphne have oh my good lord do not even remember her naming a breed species oh, I am Go. gonna have to what are you gonna say do you want a, do you want a little hint of when, when I'm, I'm gonna want a little hint mate <laughs> Okay, so when she says to, I think, Frasier, or, or well, Niles is starting the room as well, um, she says that her mother's dog chose her partners, depending on how well it took to them. Oh, yeah, I remember. She she gives a specific breed of dog. Uh, I don't know why, and I think it's completely wrong, but I'm, I, I'm not sure. I'm thinking of like a, a short-haired pointer or... Pointer as a breed of dog. I don't think it's anywhere near close, but that's what I'm going to say because I've got nothing here, man. Okay, it is nowhere near close. <laughs> I know it. Um, a Springer Spaniel. Oh man, I should know that. We've had Springer Spaniels in my family for like years. They're a, a breed I know well. That spring is correct. They jump all over the place, but God, that's annoying. I should have known that. Okay, and question number two. Lay it on me. What is the name of one of Eddie's pups? Uh. 
okay. I know Daphne calls one Basil at one point. Is that what you were looking for? Yes, that is exactly yes! what I was looking for. Yes, I was, I was starting to worry that maybe they, the few of them had names because I know it's a bit of a sticking point in the episode. But there we go. But that's man. the only. That's the only one I picked up on. Was, it's a was pretty Basil. good name for a puppy. I think there's a good sketch on Family Guy actually, which is not a sentence I say very often about uh, giving like cats human being names like Paul or something, and that always like Tom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you know, I love. I love dogs as well. Having kind of human names is just hilarious when you're kind of shouting them in the park, like, come here, Colin. <laughs> just, yeah, cracking. Okay, and my third question. Let's go. How many degrees to the right of the North Star should Niles go? Oh, I love this line, but I haven't made a note of it and I do not remember. I'm gonna, I don't think it's that far, actually. I'm, I'm in my head, something like between two and 10 degrees, but I could be way off. I don't know why. Two came to me first. I'm going to say two, but there's no way that's going to be right because how on earth would you work out two degrees? If you'd have put those two numbers together well, the answer is 12. Oh my God. So that's why it's in my head. Oh, I always do this. I always do this. Well, I got one out of three there, Keith. Not too bad. And I was, you know, it's like 0.25 of the way there of the last question. So not awful. Okay, Keith, so I'm going to read you out the six bumper questions we've been sent over by three different people now Anna, Hamish and Preston are you ready for those? I am indeed I feel like I'm on um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire I know like I'm going to hand you a check but we don't want to give you that (laughs) (laughs) okay Hamish's question number one numero uno what kind of quote block does Martin have that stops him from taking Eddie to the vet? Is it just like a mental block, something like that? Very close. I'm basically going to give you the point, but I could be a stickler because it's it's very specific. It is just a psychological block, but oh. they're basically synonyms. So I'm going to give it you, even if the quote's not exactly right. You're right, you're pretty spot on. Okay, let's, second and last question for Hamish this week. What could you have done with Canteen McHugh's bladder slung over your shoulder? Great question. Was it like you could go for a run in the desert? That is, yeah, can you remember how far specifically? I'll give you the point anyway, but there is a specific distance that's named. 30 miles? Oh, it's 20 miles through the desert. I will come back to Canteen McHugh later because, as we know on this podcast, bladders are a bit of a sticking point with me. Okay, next we have Anna, or as Hamish has called her, Rosalinda. (laughs) First question. What was the name of Roz's cat growing up? We've established already that she was a uh, she was a cat person. Can you remember the name? Is it, was it even Nuffles or Snuffles? Something like oh, that. Oh, you're so close. It was either oh. Nuffles or Scruffles or something like that. So I think she said. Very close, Key. Very close. You, you're basically like 0.5 of the way there. Second <laughs> question. What was the name of the dog Eddie got pregnant? Phoebe? It was Phoebe. Phoebe. There you yes. go. Nice little reference. A bit of a coincidence as well with the whole kind of Lisa Lisa. Kudrow yeah. and you know going on to become Phoebe, a little bit of a little bit of a thing there. But yes, well played, Key. Well played. And Preston's questions. Question one: How many times does Marty? Oh, I love this question. I've just got to go back. I love this question. How many times does Marty honk the car horn to guide Niles back to the car? God, an absolutely excellent question. It's going to be a complete shot in the dark from me. I've got no idea. I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Yeah. There are kind of three bouts of of patterned honks, and then there is a, and then there's a single honk outside of those um if that if that kind of gives you anything to work with because i can remember <laughs> seeing the answer 
there's there's kind of a there's a there's a block of like three and then there's a single one on its own but however many's in that block is obviously the key to working this out okay in my head when i just went uh 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 i did four so i'm gonna say there's four in a block which means nine altogether by your logic four there's three blocks so it would be four eight twelve and then the okay. one on its own. You're going to go 13. Yeah. It's 16. It's five yeah. in a block. He oh. goes uh, 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 in one block, and then that repeats three times. But I think in between the second and third, he just holds it down for a while. But that is a fantastic question. A phenomenal question. Thank you so much for that. And a few people commented actually saying they really like that. Okay, second and last question this week. What was the, well, for you, what was the name of the department shrink? Oh, okay. I do know this. I think it's, it's Dr. Bergman. It is. Can you remember his nickname? The squirrel. The guys get squirrel. Guys get squirrely. Absolutely. Bit of a weird nickname. I don't really. You don't really hear people getting squirrely anymore. As like an adjective for being. I assumed. Is that like when they're being difficult or grumpy or so, ornery? I would think squirrely is secretive. That's um, what they're kind of like. They're holding it all inside, kind of thing, and won't and won't kind of yeah, maybe not letting it out. Heard of people refer to like MI5 and all that as secret squirrels? As wow. in, I so, yeah, that rings about actually, but it's just not an analogy I get at all. But there you go. Um, wow, Plague, you did really well there. You've got three more for me for a mischief night. Okay, so I this are I mischief night, by the way. If I've spoken to you before now, I haven't looked ahead at the answers, I'm just giving them to Key this week. So we've got an even share of questions. Okay, so these are mischief night's questions. So, okay. question one. What does Daphne claim will happen to Fraser's socks if she doesn't iron them? Oh, it's something about the cashmere. Oh, is it is it bruised the cashmere? Bruised the cashmere? It is indeed, yes. yes. I always get like, confused in the other one where he has a jumper or something. Like the nap on the blazer goes one way. Like I never knew what the word nap meant, but I think it's the way the, the cashmere grows. But I always get those two confused. So nice. There's one in the bag. Question two. Yes. Who called to warn Roz about the puppies? Oh, man, 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 man. Someone from upstairs in KACL. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not going to get this. I'm going to maybe someone in sales, but I don't know the name. If I can give you a hint, and it's not going to be a hint, it's the same name as one of my neighbours, but you don't know any of my neighbours. I don't know any of your neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid that's not help me at all, okay? <laughs> okay, can we just give you the answer? Give me the initials, and we can have another Kennedy <laughs> Burling moment. <laughs> I mean, we've only got a first name. So, oh, okay. What's the initial of the first name? He was in banana. Then the uh, department starts with an A, as in okay, Apple. A accounting, maybe. Yes, it yeah, is accounting. It's so annoying because when I said sales earlier, I knew it was accounting. I was just, I just changed for some reason. Okay, B for banana. I'm going to say her name is Bridget. Oh, well, it's no. Betty. Oh, I thought I was close then. I was nowhere near. <laughs> you led me for a full sense of security. Okay, so this is a two-part question from Mischief Knight. Okay. Strong, okay? So, there's two ironies in this episode for minor characters. So, the first one, what is ironic about Dorothea's outfit? Dorothea's outfit. Oh, my God, I think I might know this. Oh. I think her surname has the word green in it, and I have a feeling she's wearing a green dress. I'm going to give it to you, mate. Oh, it, it, are you joking? Yeah, she's wearing a green blazer. Yeah. Her last name is Greenway. 
Oh, Greenway, that's it. Oh, man. Not too shabby. Okay, what was the... What was the? Did you read out the second part? Sorry. Or... The second one. Okay, what's ironic about the line on which Rita is holding? Oh, God. If you go back to episode one, when we first did this podcast, I had a conspiracy theory that has been proven to be very, very wrong about yeah. callers always being on a certain line. You did have a... I love that, actually. We should have kept that up. A little bit like the coffee count, the line count. And it's never... It's completely random. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't remember Rita phoning into KSL, so that doesn't help me at all. Um, I am, I'm going to have to pass on this one. This is a tough one. And just take a stab at it. Okay. What line is on? Works I, I, I don't know why it would be ironic, though. Like, maybe her problem is about... Um, maybe her problem... Okay, maybe her problem is about her husband plays golf too much and she's on line four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right on the line. It, she is on line four. Oh, no way. Um, she has four kids who are driving oh, her crazy. Oh, man. Okay, there you go. So I wasn't actually a million miles away. Not I mean... Husband and golf. Yeah, <laughs> That's enough out of you. Brilliant questions there. Thank you, Preston, Anna, Hamish, and Corey, and of course, Key, for my questions. Um, really, really cracking. Uh, so let's hop straight into the review this week. Can you remember the animation, Key? I think, is it a red light? It is red light, classic. Bit of a letdown after the fireworks last week, but there you go. We can't always get what we want. Title card, Sunday in the Park with Eddie. Do you know what that is a reference to? Sorry to keep quizzing you after after we've left Trivia Corner, but do you know what Sunday in the Park with Eddie is a reference to? It sounds very familiar, but I can't place it. It is. Uh, Sunday in the Park with George is a Stephen Sondheim musical, which obviously Stephen Sondheim gets referenced a lot in Frasier anyway. But I, I think the play or the musical is about... Um, the, the pa French painter Georges Seurat, or Seurat, I never know how you say his name. He's got that really famous painting called Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte or something. You know that one where like it's it's done with all the tiny dots and the people on the shores of the river, the riverbank? Oh, yeah. With the umbrellas. Yeah. Um, I just think of Ferris Bueller, if you've seen that, like Cameron in the museum spends about 20 minutes staring at it and the camera just slowly zooms in on his face. Um, but yeah, it is a reference to that, so that was pretty cool, seeing that Stephen Sondheim. So we open in, in the apartment, Daphne's ironing socks, and we talked a little bit about last week. We've kind of lost sight of why she lives there. Has she just fully transitioned to maid at this point now? I think so, and I think they called it out a little bit in this episode, because mm -hmm. at one point she says the only thing she can do in a crisis is, uh, is make tea. Yes. And, and Martin says, well, that's reassuring for a healthcare provider. <laughs> yeah, a really good line, actually. But yeah, um, completely spot on. For all intents and purposes, I think that's them just calling out the fact that, you know, she she's a maid. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's I, think, I, think, I think you're right. Um, and kind of on the topic of, of maids and, and kind of domestic chores, Another tiny, tiny inconsistency here. Frasier practically sprints over to Martin's chair because he wants to put a coaster under the beer, which is sweating. But in My Coffee with Niles, we learned very clearly that Frasier doesn't mind toast sweating on the side of the kitchen counter, but a beer sweating is kind of, you know, that can't happen. I don't know, did you kind of pick this up when he does this, or is it kind of just because this is more typical of his behavior, did you not kind of think twice? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's weird, really, because it, My Coffee with Niles is the one that seems a bit inconsistent. System. Yes, because you don't imagine. I don't imagine Martin really having much of an issue with toast sweat. Um, yeah, no, completely. Now, whereas this, I can understand Fraser going, "Oh, please, coaster, coaster." 
Yeah. Um, so for me, I, this didn't stand out of place to me, and I wouldn't have made that connection had you not pointed it out. Yeah, I think this completely fits in because it's like, oh yeah, of course, Fraser doesn't want a beer sweating, but it's just like you know, only two episodes ago, you were happy to leave toast on the side, kind of buttery and sweating out into the uh, into his nice marble countertops. So yeah, always a bit funny to kind of pick out these little tiny inconsistencies, um, which obviously there are, there are many of across any any sitcom that runs this long. You know, it's just it's just a hazard with the territory. But so Mrs. Greenaway comes sprinting into the apartment's point, or she knocks on the door, but rather angrily comes in wearing green i've actually made a note here um which i i can promise when i was answering the question i forgot i swear on my on my niece's lives i had forgot i'd written this down so i had not been looking at it when i was answering the irony question but yeah she comes in here with a box full of puppies she uses the word horny and i was trying to think of how many times that word actually gets used in the show because I, i'm thinking of to kill a talking bird the bird says stephanie's horny and kind of dobs niles in it at his dinner party i have a feeling it's used a few more times but i couldn't think of any examples but it's just a word that really stands out when you hear it in this show it's just, yeah it feels like i mean it's not a, not a dirty word but you kind of feel in a sitcom of it like it is yeah it feels like oh horny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you do that i was just imagining you know in the episode we've got it coming up soon in the matchmaker and fraser kind of does that thing where he mimes wearing the dress and he rubs his hands down his body that's exactly what i imagined you were just doing then when you was saying, oh, aren't it? Um, yeah, like, oh, it. <laughs> it does feel like a bit of a dirty word in the in the Frasier universe. It's almost a swear word because it is a show, actually. That I'm trying to think of the they, they use maybe bastard a few times and may, maybe bitch. But yeah, because I know Niall says, well, I'll be a son of a bitch at one point. So other than bastard and bitch, I can't think of any typical swear words that they actually use on this show. So horn is as good as we get. So, you know, we're going to talk about it when a character says that. Some great lines actually from her where like he doesn't look at him, speaking to Eddie, he doesn't care who's alive, he's ruined. Which I just think it's hilarious thinking about her little Phoebe as like some kind of teen pregnant out of wedlock or something. Like, the dogs don't care you know dogs basically exist to get pregnant you know and produce more dogs it's basically the entire point of them um but yeah i mean how does how does mrs greenaway work for you i really like her i tell you what would have been a great question is how you spell her name because it's like dorothea something like that yeah yeah it is i've never heard that first name before yeah i'd really weird you say that i'm not going to skip ahead just yet but there's another name used in this show that i've been stuck on all week since watching this so we'll get to that i I love martin's comeback like you got a bad attitude that's why no one sits with you at the park (laughs) (laughs) that is honestly i'm so glad you said that my next point was this line always stands out to me as a bit odd and basically the way he just says you know what your problem is dorothea you've got a bad attitude up to that point i don't quite understand the line like it's a weird thing to say to someone oh you've got a bad attitude especially when they've just arrived with like a pregnant litter of puppies um and there's no laugh track either so it's almost like the studio audience don't know is this a serious line or is this a joke and then you have martin qualifying that's why no one sits with you at the park which is very obviously a joke but yeah i don't know i always kind of 
kind of got stuck on that that bit before. It always seemed a bit like, it's, would you say this to someone who's just come into your home with a cardboard box full of puppies? You know, you've got a bad attitude. I quite like it. I feel like the the fact that you're not really sure is it meant to be serious? Is it jokey? I think it builds up the later joke even more. Mm. Um, and nobody sits with you at the park. It's like, I feel that's the perfect over sixty five put down. <laughs> it really is. It's really sad, actually, isn't it? It's kind of a devastating <laughs> image. Imagining her just sitting there with little Phoebe, like no friends. It's really sad. In fact, that's one thing we never actually see Martin walking Eddie in the park, like basically ever. I remember there's a few times where, like, you know, later when um, Daphne and Niles are together, Daphne goes to the park a lot, and obviously Niles gets jealous of that guy. But I can't remember many times we ever see Martin walking the dog, and I just think, why did they never do that? Would it have not been like a good way of maybe expanding Martin's kind of, I don't know, you know, I, I get the impression he might would have spoken to Eddie a little bit in those private moments and they could have used it as a bit of a vehicle to explore Martin's kind of psychology a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. I mean, suppose they've got to get back to this whole thing that supposedly the guy needs a cane. And, but <laughs> yeah, but he's always out walking. <laughs> yeah, so he probably does. He goes to the park. That is true, actually. Yeah. Um, and also, no. he probably wouldn't be that engaging just watching him walk do laps of a seattle park or something you know, i'd quite like to have seen Frey, uh martin with the, the old gang and, and see what they're like at the park <laughs> yeah like playing chess or something do you remember have you seen yeah. that pixar short jerry's game you ever see that? Is, is it jerry's game i think it was you know like there used to be pixar shorts at the beginning of every pixar film and then there was one i think it was the beginning of a monsters inc or a bug's life where it's like an old guy playing uh chess in the park i think with a, with a friend and then i eventually think his friend dies and he's playing it against himself in kind of typically pixar sad fashion um, <laughs> that is what i imagine martin just doing like kind of you know shooting the breeze with his friends playing a little bit of chess probably drinking you know open alcohol containers in the public but yeah it's weird we don't see that a bit more some brilliant delivery from Kelsey here like look what you did <laughs> to, to Eddie when they see the puppies bad dog look what you did like whenever whenever Frasier goes like hysteric and his voice goes really deep it is almost always a memorable quote like so many of the ones that get posted online are Kelsey when he goes really deep or or high alternatively like the extremes of his acting when he's kind of really hamming it up always produce some really funny moments um, he kind of growls it out and does about three or four different lines in this episode he does it and he does it perfectly on each one I mean I think another one is when he goes um, you know we don't name them you only name a dog if you're gonna call them to you and things like that yeah yeah so it draws out and it's just it's done so well and I, I i can't think of anyone else who can project their voice in that way with that comedic effect other than kelsey yeah his voice is just like i mean obviously we know he's musical anyway but i would say he's someone who has like a musical speaking voice like it's always interesting to listen to whether he's speaking high he's speaking low even just the way he speaks a normal sentence is naturally interesting to listen to um which I just think is, you know, what a wonderful gift to have as an actor, like a voice that's like that, that's so commanding. Um, and as we say this, hmm. I, I mean, obviously he did do voice acting in The Simpsons as Sideshow Bob. And Toy Story 2 and Stinky Pete. Oh, okay. I forgot about that one. Yeah, <laughs> a classic villain of our childhood. <laughs> Generally, I'm, I'm surprised Kelsey hasn't done more voice acting. Yeah, I'm, I am as well. How distinctive and how amazing his voice is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I remember I was speaking actually very recently um, 
today, actually, uh, to some fellow Fraser fans about Fallout. In fact, to Steve Mutum, who uh, who's kind of we've mentioned on the podcast before, he was mentioned. We were talking about Fallout New Vegas, an old video game that people listening may be familiar with and may enjoy. But like Chandler, you know Matthew Perry, he voiced like the main antagonist in that, and it was a pretty big game at the time. And I just think, you know, there's someone from a, a leading competitor sitcom doing video game work. Kelsey Grammer could have like eaten up the video game industry he's got that voice um he could have done so much i think but yeah i mean he's great in toy story 2 but just you know the world's his oyster i think he's he has got a reputation and i think no one will, will kind of disagree here for appearing in some pretty questionable films um there's one that's just come out called money plane and i think it's got like edge in from wwe if you ever watch wwe wrestling and it's basically about a, a giant plane hoist and he is presumably some kind of mayor or police police chief or something but he does phone it in a little bit these days but i mean he doesn't care he's he's just making money and you know if he's having a good time then who are we to judge so the next kind of line i wanted to bring up here is again again Kelsey saying don't love them <laughs> when he kind of pushes the pushes the when he's speaking to Daphne about like you know don't love them because I'll think they're staying I love the way he kind of he's pushing them back into the box because they're kind of clawing up the edge like obviously these puppies you know you can't train puppies this young but they do such a good job of like especially when he's carrying them out of the door to KACL they're like they're clawing at his neck and trying to climb up him and stuff and it's just like you know if they'd have been really sedate and sleeping in the box the whole scene would have been ruined so it just it plays so well yeah i mean we're blessed on this show for the amount of quality animal actors that there are <laughs> we really are Moosey moose is a legend i hope they were uh, unionized <laughs> but, i mean the dogs in this i mean i'd be curious to know obviously uh, Moose did have puppies, didn't he, in real life? And I think, did Roz keep one? Um, she Perry did. Gold? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because it was Steve who, who brought this up. He said, it says on Wikipedia that one of the puppies, that box, is um, is who would a dog that would later become Enzo, and Enzo was an offspring of Moose, who obviously replaced him as Eddie as the show went on because Moose was getting too old. But that is not true. Um, those dogs aren't one of those dogs isn't Enzo which is one of those facts that kind of gets erroneously published but yeah I think Perry Gilpin did um, adopt one it's interesting as well because Fraser calls them Eddie's mongrel seed but they're purebred Jack Russell Terriers like they're not mongrels at all um, which is kind of a weird I think they needed that joke because obviously Eddie and a random dog have got it on but also they need them to look like Eddie yeah, and well I'd put that joke in there just to hear Kelsey say mongrel seed yeah so that is <laughs> the joke know, isn't it it's again it's, it's it's perfect delivery from Kelsey, which is, I feel like 90% of this episode is really reliant upon Kelsey's perfect delivery to make the lines work. Yeah, and the kind of, I guess the seeds that have been sown throughout the whole show of the tensions between him and Eddie, this, they kind of come to a head in some ways in this episode. So I guess this episode works in that sense and the way they're kind of building on existing jokes. Back at KACL now, we have the just iconic moment with Roz here. One of the best moments, I think, from the early seasons of Frasier, where she kind of lovingly shows, shows such a loving display of affection, to quote Frasier, toward the dog and then casts it aside only for her to respond, I can do it with men too. Just amazing. And like you can tell from the studio reaction as 
as well to that the studio audience laughing and kind of ooh, like cheering a little bit it's just like a really empowering empowering moment for uh for ross and just like a good retort because fraser is always shaming her for her lifestyle and i just like the way that she doesn't give one you know she just kind of operates on her own plane here and i just think perry doesn't get to do much this episode but she really rocks with what she gets yeah i mean i for me this is the definitive ros line in the entire show oh this, i could not agree with you i i think of ros this is what i go to is this one line i think it's amazing it's, it's perfectly delivered and it really does make me think that you know we're 26 27 something like that episodes in. 27 yeah and I, I feel like we just haven't seen anywhere near enough of ros i'm so with you i really am um i just i mean last week as well i was talking about kind of missing bulldog a little bit but that doesn't even compare to ros Roz is one of the main five. She's one of the main cast. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe we get a little... I think we do get more KACL in the next in this season and particularly next season because of the whole Kate Costas arc. We're going to get a lot more stuff set at the office. So we will get more Roz. Um, but yeah, it is a shame that like in some of the best material of the show in these early seasons, we're not we're not getting kind of full Roz action. I mean, did I interrupt you there? It sounded like you were going to say something. I was just going to say, I think the same is true of Daphne because yeah, big I, time. I got out our list just before we came on about uh, picking our favourite actors each week. Mm-hmm. Um, Daphne and Roz are nowhere to be seen, and you can't really justify picking them as your favourite in an episode because each of them has barely been in an episode for more than one scene, really, or two scenes, or, or just very small, like bit part sort of roles. You've, you've not had a really meaty scene, I don't think, with either of them up to this point. Yeah, that's really true. And we kind of said when we started doing the acting thing that it's going to be weighted more to the, the three male leads. But, you know, we're, we're pretty kind of, you know, an inclusive duo. We're not just seeking to, to, to kind of not pick Ros or Daphne. But, yeah, we haven't had enough of them to kind of justify, as you say, picking them yet. But I, I can kind of, I'm thinking of future episodes where I know that I'm going to be picking them already. So I know that it's coming. But I just feel like we have to wait a little bit too long, um, which is why I'm glad she has her moment in this episode, because it is just like defining to her character i think it's hilarious the physical comedy is great just makes me really appreciate how good perry was and just how well cast she was to think she was like so way down the list yeah like second choice apparently there were like four people that were meant to play um ros before lisa could row is what i've heard i can't remember who the names were i read it recently it's remarkable though how many iconic roles you've seen in sitcoms where the actors haven't actually been first choice yeah so Um, true i mean i think again foreign listeners may not get a few of these references but certainly in terms of british comedy um i don't think david jason was the first choice to play dollboy Really? Uh, so that's it in Only Fours and Horses for people listening, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Some Mothers Do Have Up. I've not, um, but I'm familiar with it as like a, a bit of a staple over here. Yeah, it was something I, I watched a lot growing up. And again, the lead in that, who does an absolutely phenomenal job in that, is Michael Crawford. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't first choice for that role either. And you can't imagine anyone else in that role other than him. Uh, um, yeah, it's mad. Like, both of those two you've named as well are kind of, they're icons of British TV. You know, if we were going to put people on coins they're up there you know people from sitcoms so yeah there was another one you're gonna say then no, they were my two go-tos oh but... sorry i thought i'd interrupted you again <laughs> um, just it's so interesting i think to see just i don't know maybe maybe it's just a testament to the fact that well, if you're a really good actor once you get your t- get the chance you know beyond a i don't know five minute audition or whatever 
to get your teeth into a role, how, how much you can make that character your own. And that's the mark, I suppose, yeah. of, a, of a top, top quality actor. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I just can't even imagine the pressure of like a Ross audition, for example. Did Perry have like a 10 minute stint, a five minute stint, or, you know, have to do it a few times? Like, how do you just display? Obviously, because they don't know what the character is going to be when they're auditioning it, and neither of the writers yet, but how do you kind of show that you're capable of, of living that person's life for 11 years? Like, the whole kind of mythology of auditioning is it's extremely interesting anyway but i think yeah for, for a character like roz who's just so iconic and just so perfect for the show i mean daphne's integral to this show because of her relationship with niles her relationship with all of the crane men and the fact she lives in the house but for me and there's no need for me to make this into sophie's choice but if i had to choose to keep one it would be Ross, and I think it's because I love her at KACL. I love her relationship with Frasier, which I just think is really unique in the sitcom world. And yeah, I just think Perry Gilpin is just amazing. Um, and the fact that she hasn't done that much outside of Frasier, in many ways, is quite special because it's just like she just gave everything she had into Ross, and the result is one of the you know the greatest characters. Um, to, to probably in the in the minds of most people listening to this podcast so um yeah really good thinking back to the review thinking of kacl actually fraser mentions at this point that he's going to be with you for the next three hours is that the first time we ever get a clear idea how long his shift or show is is there not I could be wrong in this. I feel like at some stage, Niles or Martin has made a joke saying, oh yeah, you work for three hours a day. You must be looking forward to your holiday. That is, uh, I was, yeah, I was kind of asking it, actually. it hypothetically, but I, I think you could be could be spot on there. Um, so if anyone listening has kind of missed, uh, has kind of caught something we've missed in a previous episode, or that's alluded to, then please let us know. Because like this is, I think this is something we definitely talked about in an earlier episode. Like you can't quite deduce how long he works for because he gets paid an absolute, you know, shed load of cash um, for what is you know, seemingly a pretty, a pretty minimal job. But you know, he is an MD um, and he, you know, does have celebrity status. So I'm going to say something maybe controversial here. But the the woman who phones up and I, as usual, have been lazy and I haven't looked up who, who the celebrity caller is because um, I've just it's... completely forget to do it every episode. You, you've got Lily, him, Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Okay, I'm not, without looking at a picture of her, I'm not familiar with who Lily Tomlin is. I'm going to maybe be controversial. I don't like this call. I think it's really overacted. And I think she takes ages to kind of get going and get to the point. Like those little kind of blustery, oh, I just, oh, at the beginning of the call, it goes on for like two beats too long. And every time I listen to this episode, I always like... You, you think there's going to be a laugh track coming because she does it a little bit too long and that's going to be the joke and then it kind of cuts to Frasier and Roz's face and you think are they going to pull her face because she's going on so long and that'll be the joke I don't know just really doesn't work for me but wonder what you thought completely agree uh, for me it gives the impression to me and obviously it's not this is not the tr- what happened but it gives the impression of someone who's kind of forgotten their lines and they're stalling to try and think of the next line. Massively, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, you're spot on. And it's, I, yeah, I don't find it. I get, I get the whole idea, you know, that you're building up to, you know, have you thought about getting a puppy when that is obviously like the, the, 
the exact opposite of what she probably needs right now. But no, I don't. I really, I'm not a fan of the delivery. Um, I, I say, for, it, it just it feels a bit get to the point for me, and I, yeah. I don't know. I get a bit frustrated with it because, especially, I think yeah. because frustrated is a good word. I think Frasier is such a, a show that is you know built on very quick dialogue that especially especially compared to the speed of the usual dialogue this feels even longer and even more drawn out i think it gets as i gets a little bit frustrating but that's a really really spot on point we were not used to being made to wait for our lines in this show are we like as you say it's quick fire it's witty the right the script to these episodes feel like they're twice as long as a, as a script for something like friends because people are just constantly cracking long and intelligent jokes and monologues and blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah, we're never normally made to wait this long for a line. And your observation about it sounding like someone who's forgotten a line is just spot on. Um, this is like a really quick tangent for like one minute. But last week, um, we talked about Last Tango in Paris because I said the Marlon Brando film, because I said that's what the reference is, Slow Tango in South Seattle. It's not the reference, um, which we will get to in Listener Mail. Cab in the City has actually provided what it is a reference to, so huge thanks there. However, there's a really famous scene in Last Tango in Paris where Marlon Brando is, I think, talk. he's at the bedside of either his ex-wife or his mother, I think it's his ex-wife, who's dying. Um, and he's de delivering this really impassioned speech. And he, like, if you watch him, he's looking all around the room and like looking up at the ceiling as he talks. And people think this is all part of the acting because you would never know. However, it's because Marlon Brando, I don't know if you knew this, he refused to learn lines on the set. And he would basically make the directors and the producers put his lines on cue cards and place them around the set so he could look at them during the scene. And so when he's looking up at doing this really powerful moment, he's literally looking for the card with his next line on it so he can read it out um which i just thought was a nice little connection there but yeah what i always find interesting about those sort of stories i can get if you're a really really big star and and you get people to hold them up for you but how do you get started who is who is the nobody walking in this <laughs> don't learn lines yeah like you no you don't you would never be taken seriously would you doing that like if a brando showing up like age 25 like oh yeah i don't learn my lines you wouldn't you wouldn't get a job you know they wouldn't they wouldn't keep you on which is just because obviously at this point he's this is a year before or the year of he was in the godfather where he kind of had you know his big moment uh, maybe he's famous before then, obviously, for like on the waterfront and stuff. But yeah, Brando obviously is so kind of deified by celebrities now, and everyone looked up to him that it's like really cool. And you think, oh yeah, he was Marlon Brando, he could do that. But yeah, to me, it's just a bit like, come on, it's unprofessional. Like that's why he's probably working with people who are like breaking their back learning lines. So maybe this this woman has taken too many leaves out of Marlon Brando's book. Who rings up? Who knows? Bit unethical of Fraser to say, have you considered getting a puppet? It's a great, great line, but. I don't know what you kind of think about that. It's, it's the exact opposite of what she needs. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Frasier's ethics. Like, <laughs> he, he won't date a woman who had already broken up with her boyfriend for a different reason. <laughs> but, but he'll try and sell a puppy on her. He will. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I just the, the way she's describing her life, it sounds hellish. Um, obviously it's it's a funny it's a funny line but also the fact that it cuts to black i hate the fact that it's not reconciled because i just think would fraser genuinely say that out loud and then just leave it like i feel like he would then get like a disapproving look from ross and he would then kind of actually dole out some useful advice to this woman obviously he doesn't do that so. a look from ross um, i feel like i feel like he gets like one from her as the scenes fading to black and he kind of looks at her as if to say you know a bit coyly like oh you know i'm just trying to get rid of 
the pub is. But the fact that we never get the the resolution of that scene, I think, is a little bit frustrating. Um, but it is nevertheless a really funny line. In fact, speaking of, I, I don't know what this what it is about this line. But when they get back to the apartment, the Tom, the Thomasons are visiting, looking for um, to to adopt one of the last puppies, Basil. Um, and I want to speak about the Thomasons in a minute. But Frasier coming out of the kitchen with some pate and the delivery. I made some lemonade for the children. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that line. He sounds like a southern dandy or something like on the porch. This line always kind of sticks in my craw, but I always find it hilarious. Made some lemonade for the children. I really like this scene, actually. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't like the name the Thomases. I don't know who. That's I, what I wanted. That's what I wanted to get to. Actually, I think their name is the Thomas Sons. Like as if it's like Swedish. It's quite a strange last name. It's really odd. Like I've never heard it before. And then this is so strange. But I was on I was on Twitter last night, as I often am, and I an architecture account that I follow posted a link, and a Thomason is actually an architectural term. Um, bear with me. Here it is a Thomason. It's an architectural relic which is useless yet still made maintained so like you know sometimes you'll see like a staircase leading to nowhere um, i don't know like by an industrial complex or something that is a thomason oh. and i don't know where that comes from but it's spelled exactly how i assume their surname is spelled in the show and yeah it always just it's weird for a show that's so kind of like i think naming on this show is one of its strong points they opt for a really weird angle here like not to offend anyone listening who might have the name thomason because it's a perfectly valid name I've just never, ever heard it, like, in any kind of film or TV or real life, so... Yeah. I, 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 don't know, I, I thought I'd misheard it or something. I assumed, oh, is it Thomas's? Thomas... I don't know, it's, it, it is a bit of a strange name, but I, just, I love the, the sort of caricature of a perfect family that they are, you know, the... Yeah. yeah well, they've got a 10-acre farm, I think, is he... Um, she's a nurse, I think he works at the zoo. He does. I was going to ask you how big the farm was. I'm gutted you've said. Oh, <laughs> no, don't worry. We're out of, uh, out of Trivia Corner, mate. You never need to apologise. But yeah, I mean, they did have a dark aura key, and maybe it's because they are a useless and defunct architectural relic that is uh, still maintained. Maybe that's why they had a dark aura. Daphne does, again, she shows a little bit of psychic ability in this episode, so maybe she's right. She does, yeah. We'll get to that, of course. Like She does have a psychic flash that is completely accurate in this show and i just i'm constantly guessing with this whole concept like did they want us to believe she did or was it a joke that they made on the first episode that kind of got out of hand and they had to keep pushing it's a weird one but yeah she does have some some accurate visions here so there you go the way niles holds the dog that basically licks the pate from behind his ears always makes me so uncomfortable because he's got like his left hand is basically cupping the, the dog's genitals and backside area. Like, you know, you would normally hold a dog like both hands, like that size, both hands around the midriff kind of thing, like holding it up to his face. But yeah, the fact he's kind of got one there, obviously it's because he doesn't know how to hold them, which if that's intentional, it's a very kind of clever character thing because Nas wouldn't know how to naturally hold a dog. But yeah, it always makes me really uncomfortable and I just feel like, you know, that hand would be just so dirty or something. It's just disgusting. I, mean, I absolutely love his facial expressions while this is going on because <laughs> yeah. he starts out as though he's enjoying it and putting on his show for Daphne. And about halfway through, there's like this look of revulsion on his face when he realizes what he's done. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. It is absolutely wonderful, wonderful comedy acting from, from David Hyde Pierce. It's. 
I might very well. And it's uh, it's quite an iconic scene in its own right, actually, I think, with the pate. Yeah, I think the whole pate behind the ear thing is very much like if you're going to do a top 10 Knowles moments, that's certainly going to figure in a lot of people's, I think. Really, yeah, I mean, so at this point, Eddie comes back into the apartment and Frasier says he can't help but notice he has that certain spring to his step. Um, I just love all the illusions and metaphors here because I'm, I'm thinking a little bit later down the line in the episode where when Niles is like, oh, you know, it's a very simple procedure. Oh, I couldn't imagine. You know? <laughs> I like the way he says that. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I feel I feel for Eddie here. I've had, you know, two female dogs, admittedly, but they were both spayed, um, I believe is the term. So, which is just a horrible word, actually. Like, when you actually think about it, it's really, really horrible. I mean, the snip is better than spayed. It is both kind of violent words, but spayed's got real violence to it. But, yeah, so I do feel for Eddie, but... You know, Martin obviously has a psychological block, as we've spoken about. I love the way, so going back to the pate, the way Fraser kind of tussles Niles' hair to spot the pate, like from behind. He kind of like tussles his hair, and his hair stays in that position. And then, like, you know, he says, Are you, you know, you mean to tell me you had a wad of cold meat behind your ear for 10 minutes and didn't notice? And he's like, That's the story I'm going with. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> so I just, I love that little interaction between the two of them. Um, really kind of tiny observation here. Can't recall seeing Martin use the powder room many times throughout the entire show, but I can't remember a time up to now we've seen him use it. Have, have I missed something here? I think that's a very solid shout. Mm. I can't remember oh. I've ever seen him go in there like a few I think there's a few down the line when he's like in, in the in the series coming like when he's maybe hiding or talking to Sherry or he's hiding from like I don't know people that are over there that are like flirting with him or something but like up to now I don't think we've ever seen him use that bathroom like it is it's interesting that they decided to have that there because obviously it is used to like physical comedy effect in quite a few episodes so it's, it's always strange when you think about all the extra rooms they actually they have and make use of because like you think of the friends set predominantly set in Monica's apart. Obviously, they have the bedrooms and the bathroom there to kind of play off, mainly the bedrooms. So you can kind of have walk in and off sections. So the powder room, I guess, is in many ways like a stage exit for them to kind of leave the scene in some way. But yeah, kind of a weird observation. But I mean, that is what we excel at here on a wheel, isn't it? So we get into the bit they're just about to start speaking French. They are, yes. In fact, I had one more bullet point before they start speaking French. So I put Fraser is more understanding at this point before they start talking French about what Eddie can understand. Uh, I've just I've just used the word understand twice. Fraser is more reasonable about the fact that Eddie can understand what they're saying. Obviously, Niles isn't. He's like, are you suggesting he can understand us? Like, Niles is obviously very sceptical. But then in the episode Death and the Dog, which is a couple of seasons from now, they're both equally sceptical that there's no way, you know, Eddie can kind of, you know, process any kind of human interaction or language. So it's interesting that Fraser has that shift because at this point, he is almost like... We've got to be careful here because he can't understand us. Like, and later in the in the episode, he speaks to Freddy, uh, Eddie basically like a human being in the waiting room with the vets as well. So again, maybe a slight inconsistency. But they start speaking French at this point. I, we don't get to hear the, the two, the Crane brothers speak French enough, I don't think. I, I love French. I'd love to learn. And I've tried many times on Duolingo. Have you ever wanted to learn French, Go? I'm one of those people. I always want to learn a language, but I'm dreadful at it. Like, oh, I try and do Duolingo, but it, it just doesn't go in. 
at all. And with Duolingo as well, I feel like I can get a word or two, but you're just memorizing a word. I, I don't feel like I can put that in a sentence. I'm with you. It does feel like a memory game. I mean, I got to, you know, Duolingo works with like your day streaks that you keep up. And I, I think I got to like 77 with French about a year or two ago, probably two years ago. And I lost that by mistake because I had only done like two of the three daily activities and it hadn't saved the third. And they make you pay to get your streak back because obviously that's how they make money which is fair enough because it is a free free uh, piece of software but i was so annoyed that i deleted the app and have never gone back since and i still oh, yeah. periodically get emails saying oh it's been so so since your french lesson why don't you come back and i'm like you know what you green owl you can go and shove it that's what you can do um but i really would love to learn french like being able to read, read french literature would be great as well what are you gonna say i was gonna say the word snip snip in french yeah, sounds what? there's no way there's no way there's definitely a french term for that so why do they obviously only do that so it's for the joke you know it's hilarious i always could have said the actual word and then like you know done the scissor motion but the fact he says snip snip it's just it's hilarious the way he pronounces it but also hilarious for the fact that why on earth does he not find the french term for it because he would you know definitely know um i love the way that they actually they end up calling each other out it's like this is ridiculous look at him what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> um we have martin showing up at the vets after they kind of they get to the vet from this point and he's like you know, really rolled up and stuff and you know he's going crazy at Frasier he's kind of crossed the line Eddie's his property his dog and the one thing he has control over he, he now doesn't Eddie runs away great anecdote I've got about my first Westie when I was four and I used to live um, a lot closer to you actually Key, um, as you well know we she was she, she was a she but she was called Edward because my mom and dad really wanted to call wanted a female dog but they loved the name Edward so we went with both and she used to just sit on the front lawn with no lead not tied to anything and she would just sit there all day just watching the world go by she was really well behaved and uh, i can't remember what she did one day but my dad like bawled at her and went mad and she you know, told her off and she basically ran away from home um because of like she, you know, she was upset or whatever and she was just oh. like jogging up the road like basically halfway up the town and like, they jumped in the car to go and find her and they just found her literally just walking like normal pace along the pavement like a human being like walking away from home and obviously they got her back in the car and she came home but yeah just i've never had that happen to anyone i know or, or to me again i just think the concept of a dog running away from home like a human being is just really lovely. I just I love the fact that your dog was just a, a stroppy teenager. That and basically she, was. And then you know her parents had to come and pick her up. I just like, well, I'm getting in the car, but this is your fault, okay? I don't have to speak to either of you. <laughs> it's exactly what it was like. But yeah, there you go. So I'm kind of, you know, I know where Martin's coming from here. It's well, the whole stress of this episode, really, about Eddie running away. It's, it's a very serious thing when a, when a pet runs away, and you know, it's, it's horrible for everyone involved. We were very fortunate that, that Edward was found, that she was, you know, streetwise enough. I can't to get not... over the fact it was called Edward. And it's absolutely insane, man. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to catch some flack from people listening for that because it is just like giving the dog a complex um but there you go i was still kind of rest of this episode obviously the, the dog hunt in the park i really like the ambience of this episode you know it kind of takes place at, at night in the park the two of them in the car again and like Niles off somewhere in you know in the park, kind of hilarious, which we'll come to in a bit. But yeah, I just think the second half of this episode, I think, is actually really strong, like stronger than the, the first half for sure. I agree. I think that they could have done much much longer, if not. I, don't, I mean, I, I say I really like the episodes where they're just in a confined space and they big can't time, yeah. Uh, and the idea of them all just sitting in a car, 
maybe with Niles uh, maybe showing up halfway through and maybe leaving just before them. I mean, I could have I could have watched twenty minutes of that and and just have it set in a car. Mm. I mean, how how the storyline would work, you wouldn't be able to develop the story in the same way. But I'd have liked to have seen that. I, I for me, all other than really Roz's line and a little bit with the passe, everything good in this episode for me comes in this last little bit. I'm completely with you. Um... And just on that note, I think like a My Coffee with Niles style episode, but in a car, like not necessarily the Winnebago, which I love anyway and have been vocal about that, but like the car they're in there, which is what, Frasier's BMW or, or whatever, or I know they have a Mercedes at one point. Just imagine like the, the, the camera kind of set up on the on the dash like it is here with Niles in the back. Just imagine the three of them driving somewhere for the whole episode and it's just them chatting and stuff. Like I just would, I'd love that. That to me is just like, I can tell you now if if that was an episode, it would 100% be my top 10, no matter what the content of the episode was, because I just love the idea of that setup. I think that in a car as well, that gives itself perfectly to some really, not only funny lines, but some really good emotional conversation. Because the fact that, generally speaking, if you're in a car, you're usually looking ahead rather than at the other person, mm. which I think, particularly for someone like Martin, can open up their inhibitions a little bit because he doesn't have to face the person he's speaking to. That's a really good point. Yeah. Like, hey. Is there a different episode where he says, like, oh, you know, I want to say something, I can't do it with you staring at me, and then, like, it makes Fraser like, turn his back or something? Yeah, is it the one where they go, is it ice fishing? And he's yes. like, love yeah, that's love yeah. Exactly <laughs> the scene. Love yeah, love yeah, that's exactly the scene I'm thinking about. So, yeah, that's a really cracking observation, that is. So, are you going gonna to say something else? I, think I interrupted you. No, I think I was all out. Oh, good. No, that, that was absolutely cracking, yeah. The idea of having an episode where they can have them facing outwards, yeah, Martin would, would be more open to, to chatting there. And the fact that he can't look out his window when he's saying something intimate or personal. Yeah, so much untapped potential there to kind of think about. In fact, I can reveal at this point I've been speaking with um, kind of fellow Frasier fans. I don't want to keep name dropping them too much. But as I've intimated, I have one fan episode I've written, a script, and we're going to read it at one point on a podcast episode, a little bonus episode where we just do a little joke table read and talk through it. It's not perfect. Yeah, that's, that's the point. We'll have a laugh. But... I want to write 23 other episodes eventually. I'm going to start doing it soon. I'm going to start, trying to, you know, what's the word? Storyboarding ideas. And I'm going to call it the, the lost season of Frasier. That, my friend, three of them in a car going somewhere. We have got one of the episode plots right there. So thank you, Key, for giving me one of my favorite ideas for a long time. But that, I can promise you, I'm going to write that episode now. Now that we've set it up. Yeah, that's set in stone. Okay, there's a line here. We're just going to go back a little bit before we get to the park, um, but we can we can jump back ahead afterwards. So, they say, you know, Martin says, he's going to have gone to, didn't you, when you were a kid, have a little hangout, a place where you went to score tricks, you know, and sneak out, blah, blah, blah. He says that, and then Frasier, like, I can't remember what Frasier says, and he says, well, didn't you go back? And then Frasier, there's a silence and then Frasier kind of awkwardly says, you know, let's go to the park or to the park. I don't get that exchange at all. Oh, can you I explain don't. this to me? I really don't understand why Frasier is... I, I don't understand the, the thought process of the character because when I when I think Martin's saying this, I think he's just making a Cheers reference. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say, because what does he mean by didn't you go back? What does that mean? Well, if, if it's just a normal Cheers reference, why is Frasier so coy and so like... Um, yeah, kind kind of like he he doesn't. I don't really get why he he doesn't seem to really respond properly. I, yeah, I, I, it's really weird. Anyone listening can understand, can break this down for us. 
just, you know, the, the didn't you go back line is really odd to me. I don't know what that's referring to. And then, yeah, Frazier's coyness and going, you know, let's go to the park. Don't understand what that's about either. Obviously, the joke is he wouldn't have had a place like that because he never snuck out and he never met, scored with chicks or whatever. But he did have cheers, which is as good as. Yeah, a really weird one. But I just wanted to go back to that to flag it for people writing in because I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. So, again, we have one of Daphne's psychic flashes is spot on, um, which is Eddie uh, kind of sitting on a park bench with uh, Frasier's fla- uh, um, face on a banner behind him. Now, I'm going to give a forewarning now, although I don't think this is actually revealed yet. By the time you're listening to this, I think it will have been. Preston, over the Frasier Project, has created for us a little model bench with that banner on the back. And he's going to take a photo for us and have it as like a little accompanying image for the for the episode. And he's actually said he might do this for every episode, like a tiny little object that we can take a photo of, which is just, I said to him, so generous, but it's very ambitious. And I don't want him to kind of dedicate loads of time and effort to it. Only when he feels like he can do, then we would be extremely, extremely grateful for that. But if, you know, if, if you've seen it by now, I've seen a quick little mock-up of what it looks like, and it looks amazing. I've, I've not, obviously, I've not seen that, but I've seen, you've sent me some of his work and it's just, it's sensational. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, yeah. I can't, as someone who can barely put flat pack furniture together i can't get my head around someone who's that talented with you know kind of as someone who stuff. cannot put flat pack furniture. <laughs> there you go i'll wrap my head around what a sorry bunch me and you would be on like a <laughs> desert island so yeah we have here the reference to the ballad of canteen McHugh, as i would call it it's just calling for an acoustic song performance i think I just i think i feel like it's probably the seventh time on this podcast i've talked about my tiny bladder so i'm not going to go on about it again um <laughs> but i do get a very big sense of envy listening to someone described having a giant bladder and you could walk 20 miles across the desert with it. Um, so yeah, Canty McHugh, fair play, my friend, fair play. Then we start getting into the real nitty-gritty of this episode. The, we have simultaneously Niles' hilarious lines and moments where he's stuck out in the park, and we have the intimate in- exchange between Martin and Frasier in the car. Before that, we have some really barbed moments like, <laughs> you know, Dad, I think I've kind of got a psychological profile of what's going on here or something, and he's like, if I begged you, would you share it with me? <laughs> just such a good line. And so much, like, I don't know, malice from John Mahoney here. It's so interesting to sort of see the complete juxtaposition of what's going on outside the car and the comedy. <laughs> yeah. And then this sort of quite becoming a little bit of a tense atmosphere inside the car between Martin and Niles. But Sorry, Martin and, and Frasier. But Niles in a park is me anywhere that I don't know where I am. Especially at night, like I'm like this, it's easy to get lost and scared. I've probably been on the phone and there's a guy watching me. No, it's just a bush. (laughs) Horrible, wretched, hunchback old man, stay away from me! (laughs) No, it's just a bush. So, such a good moment. Like he admits it, like I would lie. (laughs) Yeah, you would never say that. You'd be like, oh yeah, okay. But yeah, Niles getting lost in the park is just amazing. Mischief Knight has brought this up and so we'll we'll just skip over it when we get to listener mail because it makes more sense to bring it up now. Frasier mentioned his boy scout days at this point now am i are we not just certain at this point that fraser and niles are the least boy scout material that we've ever known we've they are just it is a running joke that they were not in the scouts basically because they could barely tie their own shoelaces together so this line really 
struck me here. I don't know if you, I don't know if you picked up on it. It is. It's a weird line, isn't it? It's, mm. it's just. It's a. You know, I I feel like this is something that the Fraser has learned from a book, and he's trying to pass it off as life experience. It's like if I think back to my Boy Scout training, when yeah. reality he read it academically. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just like the Boy Scouts of America like guidebook that he he kind of read one summer with allergies when he was stuck at home. Um, but that said, I do love the the contrast of his quite complicated. If you don't have a compass, there's no way you're going to manage it. <laughs> Twelve degrees to the right, oh and then Martin is just ah, pressed a horn. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> love that. Successful. I love his kind of homespun wisdom, pricking the balloon of Fraser's pomposity, which is a great line for another episode. But yeah, again, Martin kind of saves the day with his comments there. He reference his reference to uh to the squirrel. The, uh, the the shrink at the depart at the precinct. He makes reference to showing you a bunch of ink blots. Do you know what that is called? Okay, I'm sure you do. But I'm gonna ask the, you the Rorschach test. It is or... the Rorschach test, which I always love. I don't know if you've seen or have read Watchmen or are familiar with it, but it's like a DC comic, uh, graphic novel, but it's really, really highly regarded. It kind of like took the the comic form to kind of you know a literary form. And uh, there's a great superhero in quote marks. He's you know he's more of just a vigilante, just a normal human being. Called Rorschach, and he wears like a balaclava with a, a constantly shifting ink pattern on the front, and he's really, cool. really cool. And he wears like a, like a, he looks like a 1940s detective. That's how he's dressed with a hat and a trench coat. Then he has that balaclava on. Ridiculously cool character. Um, but yeah, so we have the kind of what's happening in the car at this point. You know, Martin saying, "I used to make the rules, and now I have to follow them." Really powerful line, and I think something all parents who are aging have to come to terms with, especially those that you know choose to have children. It's just like I imagine this. This is a very, very real thing that you know you and I may have to go through at some point, and it's just. I think it's a really powerful moment from John Mahoney here. Yeah, I mean, I remember someone's telling me said, "As you get older, you're the parent; they're the kid." But if you get to a certain age, you'll essentially be the kid and they'll be you the do, parent. You do, yeah. You just get infantilized again as you grow up. And I think it's a really sad, but it's the reality of, of life, isn't it? It's a really nice little dialogue here between Martin and Frasier. And Frasier admitting that, you know, every son wants to make his father proud. And Martin mm-hmm. sort of saying, yeah, yeah, you're doing fine. Don't worry. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I say I was quite tired when I watched this. I'm quite hungry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He just quite hungry, did you just say? <laughs> I'm quite hungry, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it didn't hit me in the same way that, I don't know, like some of the other episodes have, have hit me that emotionally. really surprises me that, does Kay. Honestly, I'm it's quite weird taken aback. <laughs> on paper, this is just my, this is right up my alley. On paper, this is written for you. This scene. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is just I. I'm very tired. I, I watched this right before we start recording, and I'm knackered. That's very uh, true. So maybe that's a factor. If I watch it with a fresh head, it would have much more of an impact. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just didn't quite land. Quite not for me personally. I don't know. It just didn't quite land as much as you know when we compare it to things like um, give him the chair, for instance. I think yeah. that. I don't think it lands in quite the same way. What I would say to that end is I think Martin's great in this scene, but maybe Frazier's lines ham it up a tiny bit. That kind of sentimental heartstring tugging, it gets a little bit mawkish and a little bit kind of, I don't know, I, I, I liked it. Um, and I normally, I, I love these scenes generally, but I don't go in for them in the same way that you know that you did with like Give Him the Chair, which is obviously an iconic scene. But yeah, I think maybe Frazier at this point is kind of, he's just over, he's over egging it a little bit. Whereas Martin's kind of keeping a, a kind of more down-to-earth, fatherly view of things. 
So um, it's an interesting contrast regardless. Niles kind of showing up at that point, like, okay, you can hang up now. And like, you know, great moment here. My last bullet point and kind of the last thing I want to end on with this review before we get to the, you know, the usual end, end of episode stuff. What is going on when Frasier sees Eddie on the boot? And, it, and then he's going to pull off without telling Martin with Eddie on the boot. I don't understand. Is His implication is he's going to drive away with Eddie on the boot, in which case Eddie would probably fall off and die. Why isn't he telling Martin? I don't understand this at all. I mean, I didn't assume that Eddie would die. I thought they were just going to leave him behind, but... But he's uh, on the boot, and he, like, he sees him on the boot, and then he thinks, okay, now I'm just not going to... The way he, like, goes, oh, it's getting late, let's leave. I don't I don't understand what's the joke here. Like, I don't get it. Absolutely no sense in the context of the fact that he's just gone out and looked for him for hours. And, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Don't see him go, no, we'll go home now. It just, I don't know. I get, like, they kind... I, I kind of understand that they they tried to make a joke out of it. And is the joke meant to be, oh, Frasier hates Eddie, so here he is making kind of a crude gallows humour joke. I think so. And I think if they do it two scenes earlier, maybe it works. If it, yeah. Maybe if it happens right at the start or something, or, or in a different... I don't know, maybe maybe for the start of the episode, they thought he'd run away. Um, he makes that joke. They find him. Then he actually runs away. Maybe then it works earlier on. But in the context of the episode, right at the end of the episode, when you know, you're supposed to have this idea that he's come round to it and he started to see Eddie from... Um, from Martin's perspective, it just—I don't—it doesn't work for me at all as a joke. I don't—I don't really get it. It's really odd. It's a strange one to end on. I think maybe yeah, we've got to the the root of it a little bit there with the whole gallows humor idea. But if anyone's got any kind of takes on this, and I'm fairly certain someone could even be Mischief Knight in the Listener Mail has brought this up as well. It's a—it's a strange. It's a strange. It's a strange way to end an episode that is yeah, kind of a little bit all over the place in some respects. But it's got some great moments, some great lines and plenty for us to sort of talk about and enjoy here so uh, I just want to go back I don't know if I did fully credit Steve about the the fact that the Jack Russell Terriers are purebred and that they're not one of them is not Enzo the, the, about the, the mistake on Wikipedia Steve is the one who told me about that that is not something I found myself so I'm actually he gets full credit for that because it's a really good um, addition for this uh, Key I'm going to end well I'm going to start the start the ending is this in your top 10? <laughs> this is not in my top it's 10. It's not in my top 10 either. I don't even think I have to ask at this point. You can kind of tell um, that it's not. Um, Actor-wise, Key, who are you going to give it to this point? Um, I'm going to give it to, I think, for me, I think there's only one person I can give it to. I think it's got to be Kelsey. Hmm. Uh, his delivery of several... I I think a lot of the lines in, in this is, is purely Kelsey elevates them to another level. I think, you know, sometimes we get lines that I think are, are absolutely hilarious and so, so well written. A lot, I think the funniest moments in this aren't necessarily... I mean, I'm not saying it's bad writing or anything like that at all, but I think it's just what makes it really, really funny is not so much the line itself, but the way Kelsey delivers it. And the drawl yeah. and the, the sort of growl that he has and so well to perfection and numerous times in this episode. So I'm going to give it to Kelsey. You have almost taught me around to changing my answer. Oh. Um, because you've just, everything you've just said, I completely agree with. All I will, I'm giving it to John Mahoney purely because I love the ending of this episode and I think everything he says rings remarkably true. I think the performance he gives in the car is amazing. I love all the kind of the, you know, the fact that he's kind of coming to terms with aging and the, the kind of parallels he's sharing of Eddie here. I think I think Frasier is better consistently across the episode for that performance at the end of the episode and kind of bringing it home and how happy he is to see Eddie in the car and things like that. 
I'm just going to, he's just tipped it to John Mahoney slash Martin for me. Um, so if you could kindly tally that up for me and kind of add it to the numbers. I've got to ask you, Key, as always, what would Kennedy Burling make of this episode, please? I think Kennedy says that this is a real mixed bag. There's mm. some, there's some really great individual moments. Um, Roz and Niles particularly standing out in moments. But a lot of it is just, eh, it just it doesn't really work. It doesn't really sit too well. Um, sure. And Kennedy, but, is he a dog or a cat, man? Oh, it's weird because in my head, I'm speaking for Kennedy here, so you would think cat, but for some reason he's a dog, man. <laughs> Kennedy's a dog, man. Thank you, Key, and thank you, Kennedy. No further explanations needed on that. Are you ready to play, Key, before we get to listener mail? Like, whose crane is it anyway? I am indeed. Excellent. And I'm going to just, before I kind of read it out, this week someone i can't remember who but we'll get to it on listen to mail suggested we play after you've guessed um i play the line that it's from so that they can kind of hear it in situ which is something i had thought about and kind of forgot about so it's a brilliant suggestion and it's definitely something i'll be doing from this point onwards but your quote this week key is yes happens all the time yes happens all the time who says that line? Oh, okay. Um, For some reason, I have a feeling you're going to smash this out of the park. I think. I do. Oh, no. yeah, my, my first thought immediately was Roz, but I'm pretty sure that line is not in Roz's, Roz's bit. Um, yeah, hmm. yes, happens all the time. Um, okay, so again, I should know this by now. Can it be anyone who featured in the episode, main cast or not? Anyone who says anything in the episode can be can be called upon. I also love that the running joke of you checking each week, to be honest. I love that it has one rule, but we clarify every week. I think I think you should continue to ask every week. Okay, my, my feeling is... Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Roz, because I don't think you'd have gone for something that obvious. I think, possibly, is it Niles just tried on the pate she says oh he really really likes you and he goes oh yeah happens all the time you've absolutely smashed out the park you yes. context <laughs> and everything you little dog well played well played indeed look at that he's taking quite a shine to you yeah it happens all the time <laughs> probably up there with Roz tied for best moment in this episode I would say and I've also forgot to mention who wrote this episode and it's Dave Hackle or Hakel it was directed by Rick Barron so there you go I don't think I'm not I'm not too familiar with either of their names so they don't strike me as people who've maybe written other iconic episodes right are you ready for listener mail this week okay i am indeed Roz, who's our next caller okay so for listener mail this week we've got quite a few of you um who've written in so um as usual you know just time constraints and stuff we will uh we'll read through what we can but we may paraphrase and we may kind of cherry pick little bits and bobs so if you don't get the full thing read out then we can only apologize for that Reclia 77 has put we mentioned last week um i believe um if we didn't Here's the context again. I talked about Frasier in Midwinter Night's Dream showing up at the window in the mar- in the rain as the scariest moment in the show. It's kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek moment. Reclia says, last, so about their own scary moment, and I said I wanted to try and guess what it was because they said it happened early in season two. They put, lastly, the scary moment for me. You'll never guess it, I guarantee it. I'm that confident. I suppose I should say specifically it's part of a line. Are you going to be asking on the podcast and I respond via Reddit? I could make it easy uh, easier and say the episode, but I won't. Although I suppose I'll have to say eventually if you went past the episode without correctly guessing, I look forward to your guessing. And here's their quick review of the episode as well. The unkindest cut of them all follows the disappointing opening episode and unfortunately aside from those utterly adorable puppies, I wasn't that keen on this episode. I did find Frasier going to drive off with Eddie on the car boot was a bit extreme. So that's who I was remembering. It was Reckler who brought that up. But yeah, regarding the scary moment, I am very intrigued and would like to take a stab at it. I forgot all about it actually this week, but I'm 
don't think there's anything in this uh, episode that strikes me as as a particularly spooky line or that a line someone could kind of feel a bit spooked by. Was there anything you think, Key, that maybe that could have been? But there's, no, there's nothing that jumps out to me. It'd be interesting. I kind of want to ask for the season, just so I've got an idea. I feel like it's, I think it's this season, and I have a feeling it's like the first five to ten episodes. Um, so I think we're really close. So I'm, we're just going to okay. keep our ears to the ground, I think, and then kind of play a, see what we can find. But thank you, Reclia, for, for writing that in. Uh, Key, you've got a, another one from Warm Taffy. Okay, so uh, next up, yeah, we have Warm Taffy. Uh, great podcast, as always. Excited to get into season two. Um, quick suggestion. I think this is something you've already mentioned, Well, Yes, it was Warm uh, Taffy that suggested that, yeah. Yeah, featuring the, the clip of the featured line in Whose Crane Is It Anyways? And I think that's something you're, you're putting in. So, thank so you. you will have heard that by now, now that you're reading that out. Thank you very much, uh, Warm Taffy, for that suggestion. Uh, thanks again, guys. Your podcast is something I look forward to every Sunday. And I appreciate your hard work. Thank you very much, Warm Taffy. Yeah, that is very, very lovely, very kind. Mischief Night, season two might be my favourite overall season. I go back and forth, but I love season two. So I'm so stoked we're starting it and to hear all of your amazing takes already off to a good start. Thank you, Mischief Night. We love season two, actually, as well. It's really strong. But I don't know Cheers as well as Frasier, but my wife is the most avid Cheers fan I know. And I asked her if Fallows appears, because last week we talked about whether he actually appears on Cheers. Thomas J. Fallow. Full name. <laughs> yeah, full name. Oh no, I can't believe I called him Fallows. And to the best of her memory, the character does not appear on the show. He also talks about we we've kind of took some umbrage with the fact that Frasier taking piano lessons at 17 was a bit odd, which he completely agrees with. It's a really interesting point there as well. Um, he also kind of we joked about when we're finishing this podcast in like five years' time about the next one we'd uh, next one we do. And he says his vote would be for the office, as we mentioned it a few times. And he's from Scranton in PA, so he can continue to be our trivia master. And obviously, we mentioned James. Spader last week. Obviously, we haven't we haven't set anything in stone yet. We probably won't, you know, right up until five years down the line if we do continue to do another one. But I'll be honest, The Office is probably my second most loved sitcom behind Frasier. Um, all I would say on that end is there's probably more popular podcasts on The Office already. I mean, there's one ran by two cast members, so we can't really compete with them. It's a bit like if Kelsey and Niles, uh, David Hyde Pierce, were doing a Frasier podcast. But who knows, you know, I do love The Office. Um, so that's something to bear in mind. But thank you, Mr. Knight, for those comments. Okay, next up, I think we have uh, Cam Winston. We do, Hamish. Uh, I'm Will. Key! <laughs> there it is! And that is, if you heard laughing at the beginning of this episode, it is because it always cuts out when Key says, and I'm Key at the beginning of the episode. So it normally just says Key, which a lot of people found hilarious this week. So that is why we're laughing at the beginning of this episode, full content. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised it took this long for someone to make the joke because I've been thinking <laughs> about it since day one. <laughs> you should have said something uh, to me. <laughs> Oh no, I, I knew it would build to this. I was just waiting. <laughs> so yeah, uh, another great episode, lads, and a great way to kick off season two um, with what um, a less than strong episode to work with, although there were some funny bits. As I know you play the piano, Will, uh, let me ask, do you still keep it up? I do still keep it up, <laughs> and I will let everyone... <laughs> fill in the blanks themselves there <laughs> um interestingly uh he says that um as much as 17 is a strange an old age um no one's ever too old he he started playing uh, drums when he was 35 and his first piano lesson was when he was about nine and guitar at about 13 so very musical yeah there you um, go he's a bit of a whiz i um i'm one of those people at various stages of my life i've tried to learn guitar and i just haven't got there <laughs> uh, i am very envious yeah you referenced in the podcast about when fraser sits on the eames chair while reading and couldn't remember if Eddie was on his lap. He says that he thinks that 
that's in the episode Can't Buy Me Love. It's an episode of Eddie um, sharing a role of Cookie Dove after Renata lied about how Christina treated her. And I, I think he's, he's bang on there. I think that's spot on. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really good spot about the Eames That's exactly the scene I was trying to recall. Um, so that's really cracking. Um, Cab in the City put, thanks for reading my comment. I'm sorry to have confused your listeners. That is my fault. I've said this. I don't think it's my fault. I, no, no, I'm no. not aware of how to use Reddit. I dumped these. I basically, Cab had responded and then responded again. And I forgot to read the original. And then I just sent it to Key to read out. And he obviously knew nothing about the context. So that was entirely my fault. But Cab said, basically, the book that the episode last week was based on is called Slow Waltz in Cedar Bend. And it's written by the guy who wrote The Bridges of Madison County. County. So it was a pretty pulpy mass fiction romance story. You know, not exactly, quote, highbrow literature, if you believe in that sort of thing. But that is definitely what it's a reference to more than Last Tango in Paris, for sure. However, I don't think it hurts to have two very similar titles and kind of themed episodes and films there. They put, I started reading it some time ago when I first saw it was related to the episode. It's not bad. Very much a popular type novel written for the masses, but definitely an easy read because of that. Anyway, love the episode as always and can't wait for next week. You guys are awesome. Really lovely. Thank you very much, Cab. Um, I think that's uh, everyone for listening to Mal this week. So thank you, everyone who who wrote in. Um, please keep it coming and the trivia as always. Next week, super excited about this. We will be looking at season two, episode three, The Matchmaker, which I know features very highly in people's rankings and estimations of Fraser episodes. So really excited to get to that, as I'm sure a lot of you listening are. Anything to add, Key, before we wrap up? I just, yeah, it's a mixed bag for me. It's not, it's, I don't think this is making anyone's top 10 this episode you mean uh, yeah this episode yeah but uh next week and a great episode next week I, I think to be honest the next two or three weeks we have some absolute classics we really do actually looking ahead um, um yeah i think the week after might be flower child which, it is that's a yeah. really good episode and one i feel like i've not seen as much as i should have so yeah we've got a really good few weeks um kind of in in line um really excited for that but other than that i've been will i've been key and thank you very much for listening to we're listening Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs Mercy And maybe I seem a bit confused Well, maybe But I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those Toss salads and scrambled eggs